Look, it's one thing for me to beat you up, but I'll be damned if anybody else does. Okay, so that means you care. Yes, I care. I've always cared. Look, you know I hate talking about my feelings, but you always do this, okay? I love that you're a good person. I love that you love everybody. I love that you want to be friends with everybody. I love that little girls look up to you. I love that you're always there for me when I don't even ask you to be. And for some reason, you always can tell when something's wrong. So I just don't understand why you don't get it. I love you. I always have, and I always will. There, I said it. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock here alongside Waiting. We're coming out of Extreme Rules, and that's in the that's in the background, and now it's on to the next show, which is SummerSlam. How are you doing, Way? Doing all right. Doing uh, pretty okay. Yeah. I'm embarking on one of the busiest weeks of my life. I do not know what the next seven days will entail, but somehow in all of this, are you refer- are you referring to just wrestling wise, or or just your personal life as well? Oh, everything, everything. Oh. It's a it's a very uh, chaotic week. Care to share? Uh, it, big move this week. You're moving. Uh, that's the rumor. That's what I understand. Wow. So, uh, I'm just uh, bracing for the insanity of what my my current uh, place mm-hmm. looks like and. All that is going to be happening. Of all, like, of all the times throughout the year you could have moved, <laughs> you had to pick the G1. This was, uh, this is daunting. This is daunting. I thought last year, I was like, you know what? These G1s have been getting easy. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to have a child in the middle of the G1. I, th- I think that would be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. And after I did it last year, it's like, you know what? It's the next biggest thing. How about, how about I move right in the middle of it? Because then it's... Uh, a big undertaking as well. So, what about next year? Jeez, how can you top this? Oh, I'll, I'll probably um, I'll go on a vacation maybe during during the G one and try and do the shows. Maybe that'll be the next task. Anyway, can I share with you way? No, we we you and I have been watching a lot of wrestling in general, but especially of late, it just seems like my brain is just turning to to mush from all this wrestling. That I needed some kind of escape. And I was thinking of, you know, I need to find some kind of uh, computer game, something that is just going to be a distraction for me. Mm -hmm. So I went back to this game I used to play in high school and maybe the beginning of university. And it's called Baseball Mogul, where you become the general manager of a baseball team and you've got to run it. You have to sign them to contracts. You have a budget, everything you control right down to how much you sell stuff at the, the stadium. This seems so, like the exact type of video game I would imagine you playing. Not <laughs> not a first-person per- shooter, not like a Mario. No, it's the game where you get to handle budgets and contracts. This is a, dude, it's such an addictive game. When I played this, 
in 2003, like I was obsessed with this game. I played it for the equivalent. Like I went through like 50 seasons of this one team. And then I just had to delete it off my computer and never touch it again because it was just, I, I just have a very addictive personality when I get into something. And I, I don't have the time to be addictive with this game, but I have overtaken the 1993 Toronto Blue Jays team. Okay. Sorry, what does that mean? Overtaking. It means I am, I am the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays in 1993, and it's all the same players that made up that roster in 1993. So that's who I'm dealing with. So you can pick specific years and of actual and, and actual teams that you can run. Yes. yes. Ah. So I'm I'm starting in 1993, and it okay. just keeps going for as long as you want. So everyone knows what was 1993. What season were the Jays coming off of? 92. And the World they Series. Yes. They won the World Series. Mm-hmm. So I have been installed as the general manager. And what is the first thing? You also get like newspaper headlines. The first newspaper headline is the announcement of my appointment, John Pollock, as the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And John Olerud goes public and knocks me. He's like, what do we need a new general manager for? We just won the World Series. I would and say he, that as a fan. Why would we get rid of Cito? What, why what? would my, my players shouldn't be doing that, though? You say that shit in private. <laughs> he threw me under the bus before I even had the chance. John, and John Olerud, has, he's quite the outspoken uh, baseball player, I guess. Well, listen to this, this guy, okay? He says this publicly in the year that his contracts due, okay? So he's got a big arbitration case coming up that I will have a big hand in deciding. In fact, I'll have all the decisions. <laughs> this is exactly the type of video game I, that, that, that's exactly made for you. Oh, I was furious. I was like, this guy's really good, and he's playing great in 93, but I don't want to give him anything because of this. And I held it against him, and I drove this team into the fucking ground, way. Last place... <laughs> least amount of home runs second 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 least amount of home runs in the american league my team was just they were awful we did not have a repeat didn't even come close to the i, fi- I think we finished 19 games out of first you just ruined my childhood oh, really I destroyed the toronto blue jays in one season and i had to make big changes so i just finished the season and now i have to deal with all the free agencies and the big one is roberto alomar okay and this is what I'm asking you because mm-hmm. I I have as a result of this bad season I've just I've gotten rid of guys I cut Pat Borders I cut yeah. Alfredo Alfredo Griffin Todd yeah. Stottlemyre gone uh, so Roberto Alomar is my one remaining free agent I have to deal with so do you think I should resign Roberto Alomar in 1993 going into 1994 or do you feel that I should trade for power? Uh, or take that money and sign a bigger free agent because my power was atrocious. I also need a solid starting pitcher. So what should I do, Way? Alomar played great this season. He was one of my best players. Yeah, but it, did, it didn't cut it. Oh man, he's one of he and was I, one of my favorite players. Uh, so I mean, depends what your other options are. Who are you going to get instead? Who are your who are you eyeing for? Oh, I have to I have to do a whole like study of the free agents that are available i've got a good amount of money on hand and this is at a time when the salary structure is not out of whack i could keep roberto alomar for he wants a four-year deal worth 2.3 million dollars total like that's nothing when you think about salaries today Mm -hmm. so i can afford him i'm just wondering if i could use that money elsewhere better so i'm really on the fence i feel i'm gonna keep him keep him he's an attraction 
I think he'll, if they're the, the moment you change a big player like that, I think that's when people realize that hey, this is a rebuilding team, and therefore uh, we can join you maybe a few years down the line. All right. Well, this is the end of 1992. I will I will keep you up to date periodically, way on how the Toronto Blue Jays progress. I, I've got to rebuild them from the ground up. I, I hope I hope there's not an option that I can be fired because I thought I could have been after this season of how I. Uh, took this have defending played, World Series champions. Have you ever played the video, uh, the wrestling version of this? EWR? No. I, um, you know what? I had a version of it probably right around the same time when I was more into these computer games. I played it maybe very briefly, but I didn't get all that into it. Mm, okay. Maybe too I close really to like, home for you. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't... Uh, this baseball game I love, though. I haven't played it in 15 years. And then I downloaded it on, like, Friday and played a whole season. Well, thank you very much for that update. I, I love knowing what you're doing outside of wrestling. I think that's – it's so interesting to me. Do you ever, like, get off Skype on certain nights and you just shake your head at, like, who is this guy? <laughs> no, I do it while I'm on Skype, actually. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, man. We got we got some good reaction to that. Your no-sell of my, my Naito pun on the G1 show. The all Nido? Yes, yes, yeah. Well, uh, I credit mean, to the guy who uh, isolated that clip. What do you mean? Someone took a clip of it and and posted the audio of it. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Well, where did we do that show? We did that on the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is just booming. Business is is tremendous. Uh, we've got multiple shows coming out. It seems on an hourly basis. Uh, we have three G1 reviews up already. Uh, that in addition to our Glow review from last Friday. And we get a little miniature break of the G1 until Thursday. So now's a great time to go back and you can catch up. And the show we just put out Monday, me and Wei give our top five matches of the G1 so far. We've seen 15 tournament matches and me and Wei, we cut through the fat and we tell you what you need to watch if you're playing catch up. It's been a lot of fun so far, waking up every day for the past three days and watching five typically very good matches. So it's a great way to get caught up. And uh, if you do need uh, if you're new to New Japan, I recommend checking out the primer that I did with WH last week on the free feed. If you just scroll down uh, on this very feed right here to get you set up, because um, if (laughs) I could see a lot of people looking for alternatives to the WWE right right at this moment. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, it's in great shape, really, really, yes. Well, uh, that is all up, postwrestlingcafe.com, and uh, quickly, just looking ahead, we have our regular shows this week, SmackDown will be back Tuesday night, Up Next returns on Thursday, and Friday on the Post Wrestling Cafe, it is Rewind Away, where we are discussing the 100th episode of WCW Monday Nitro. Dare I ask if you have started this? I have not, you kidding me? Well, I'm going to give you one spoiler because it surprised me when I sat down to watch this. Because it's the 100th episode, they decided to make it really special. And do you know what they did, Way? Pyro. No. Um, Three-hour Nitro. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I was expecting three hours anyway. There are 13 matches on this Nitro. Oh, come Very on, long. that's a cakewalk. But an incredible reaction that uh, culminates tonight. So anyway, that's Friday's review. All the G1 shows. And, of course, Eggshells, which uh, the book is available this week. 
it's already uh, I've been following Chris Charlton. Uh, it looks like it's it's really going up the Amazon charts. This is a big seller. Fantastic, awesome. Yeah, I believe you can get it on Kindle and a uh, whole lot of other places. So it's a it's a really great book. I've had a chance to uh, to read it ahead of time. Uh, you will not be disappointed, especially if you read his first book, Lion's Pride. But he does his podcast companion each Saturday here at Post Wrestling. This Saturday, this is unique. He's going to be tackling the 1993 shows from the Tokyo Dome, and he'll be joined by his brother. His brother, who happens to be the artist of eggshells. Yeah, these are the nicest graphics we've ever seen. They're so awesome. Like, yeah. They look so different from just any anything else. They, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can check all of that out, postwrestling.com. But uh, we now transition to Raw, taking place on Monday night. Were you, were you at all envious that we didn't do a road trip to Buffalo today, Way, after the G1? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> at this point, like, even when, when they come to the ACC, or sorry, the SA, yes. I, don't, I don't know if I'll be making that trip. The SA. Yeah. This is at the Key Bank Center, which I recall you and I going to, it was the first SmackDown after the brand split. Yes. That was the one where I thought I lost my, uh, my passport. Yeah. No, your wallet, actually. My wallet, that was it, yes. The show started off with a graphic for Masa Saito, who uh, passed away over the weekend. And, you know, a, a pretty, pretty well-known figure, uh, not just in Japanese wrestling, but also someone that came over to the United States, even worked a, a little bit in Canada. And in terms of sustainability over here, uh, one of the most successful. Like, you can point to guys like Keiji Muto, who came over and had... You know, a great 1989, but through Masa Saito, through his time in California, through his time with the WWF, the AWA, where he was a AWA heavyweight champion. I mean, he had a really significant uh, role both in the United States uh, on top of his work in Japan and very highly respected, uh, but also very well known for his very public arrest with uh, Ken Patera back in 1984, where they... Uh, went to a McDonald's and they were informed that this McDonald's was closed. And then Masa Saito threw a boulder through the window at McDonald's. And this sounds like a goofy story, but became very violent as they fought off all of these police officers, one being a female. Uh, it was not a good scene and ended up going to prison for two years over a McDonald's. He threw a, well, I mean, McDonald's was the, I, I guess what, what I'm saying, I'm saying the food's not even that good. If you're going to throw a rock at a restaurant, at least have it be like a red lobster or like a keg. A red lobster? Uh, I don't know if you'd want to go to prison over red lobster either. Um, but anyway, um, that that's probably, you know, when you say Masa Saito, that's a story that instantly comes to mind uh, with Ken Patera. <laughs> yeah. um, they did present a graphic for him at the start of the show. Kurt Angle is in the ring at the beginning. And first off, he thanks all of the performers from Extreme Rules for their effort and for their dedication, which Brock Lesnar has not shown a lot of. And this audience, they had no time for Brock Lesnar. They were very vocal about their disdain for the man. And Kurt Angle, is uh, he repeats his ultimatum, which here I am. I stand corrected. He had three options for Brock Lesnar. He can either show up tonight. He can agree to his next title defense or he can be stripped of the title. Mm -hmm. So he could have just shown up tonight and said nothing. 
Mm. And this would have gone away. Not necessarily. I imagine he would have shown up tonight to maybe have a match tonight. Maybe that that's what Kurt's plan was. He only said show up. That's it. He didn't say he had to compete. Brock could have just walked out here, waved, and gotten the hell out of Buffalo. And that seems to, like that could have put off any of these problems with defending his title. That was an option Kurt had presented. Technicality. Sure, maybe. I, I think my save that I made on Sunday's recap made a lot more sense. He has to show up to agree to his next title defense or be stripped of the title. It's a small thing. I, I feel like there are a lot more valid reasons to be critical of for this show. No, this was it. It was already a thumbs down <laughs> show for me uh, off the first uh, sentence. So Kurt takes the big step towards stripping Brock of the title when Paul Heyman interrupts. And he comes out. Angle demands that Brock Lesnar show up, but Heyman informs him he is not here tonight. And the crowd is chanting, strip the title. Heyman says they have it all wrong about Lesnar not caring about the universal title and only being focused on becoming UFC heavyweight champion. Because nothing could be further from the truth. He loves being in the WWE. The audience did not buy this. Heyman said he loves being universal champion. So Angle says, then why doesn't he show up? And Heyman says that Lesnar has the goal of representing the WWE Universe when he defeats Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. And then with the universal title around his waist, he'll become the heavyweight champion, just like somebody did with an Olympic gold medal around their neck competing for WWE championships. This is a nice little tie-in to to Kurt, specific. He did not mention Daniel Cormier in specific. No, you're right. He just said heavyweight champion. Right. Cormier's name wasn't mentioned. Yeah. I, I love that Paul Heyman, the heel manager, would use something like this as an excuse because uh, the audience certainly didn't buy into it at all. Like from the moment Heyman mentioned it, this audience started to boo because they recognized it was simply a, 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 an excuse that Heyman was making up to con Kurt Angle. So it kind of tells you maybe what this wrestling audience thinks of Brock's uh, MMA venture. How do you feel about this portrayal of Brock Lesnar? Because I read this segment as he got a lot of heat, and I think it's been long enough that the next time he shows up, I think he's going to feel like the biggest star on the show, second to Ronda, maybe. It's it's an odd thing, because certainly, I, I would say, for wrestling audiences, they want the title off of Brock Lesnar, uh, to the point where I think they would boo Brock Lesnar if, the, uh, you know, if, he, if he was put up against a a worthy contender like a Seth Rollins that, you know, the fans want to see win. At the same time, you're right. I think he still will have a superstar presence about him because of the fact that you see him so rarely and because he really is quite exciting, you know, uh, when he appears on TV. So uh, I think he'll have a good reaction when he comes out. But depending on who his opponent is, uh, I, I feel like he could get booed. If it's the choice between Lashley... Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. I mean, I could see negative reactions all around. So then we had the long procession. First, it was established. Angle told him Brock is defending the title at SummerSlam or else he's no longer champion. Heyman reluctantly agrees and says that the fans' voices have been heard. They just want more Brock Lesnar. They did not agree with this statement. And now we've got to figure out who the number one contender is. So out comes Bobby Lashley off his win over Roman Reigns on Sunday. And when he returned to the WWE, he had two goals, beating Roman Reigns. And now it's time to accomplish the other, beating Brock Lesnar for the universal title. 
Drew McIntyre was next. He said he didn't return to the WWE to be in Dolph Ziggler's corner and just be a number on the roster. Helping out Ziggler was phase one. Now it's time for phase two, winning the title. And he entered the ring as we had three former Impact champions in the ring at the same time. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. I thought it was worth noting that when McIntyre mentioned going after uh, Brock, this some of this crowd started chanting yes, and I took that as a more favorable reaction to Drew than to Lashley from this audience. Do you not find that Drew McIntyre, with his present look, with the the wet hair and the goatee, he looks like a super fit, bigger Brian Kendrick now? I, I think he's always had that facial similarity. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty. Good. Yeah. I never I never compared the two until this moment in this particular segment that they look especially like the face. So similar think with of the, the OT now. Think of the storyline possibilities. You could do like a Captain America super serum type of thing with the two of them. Phase three. Oh. Yeah. Worth noting that Drew McIntyre did not come out with Ziggler later in the show. Do you think this is uh, they go their separate ways now because we were talking about this idea of doing the tag match. Um, mm-hmm. Did you get the sense that they were, this was the split between the two, this announcement of I'm moving on to phase two of my WWE career? Well, I can't necessarily see Dolph's next program coming out of this episode of Raw. So uh, I, I, I'm more likely to buy that this episode of Raw just happens to be something kind of out of uh, the storylines heading into SummerSlam for both uh, what's his name, McIntyre and Rollins, and that they'll. Pro- I would I would feel that Rollins has to go back to this program to get vengeance on Ziggler and McIntyre. So maybe we'll get Phase One Point Five for uh, Drew McIntyre. Sure, he'll still have a, an allegiance to one Dolph Ziggler. Next out was Seth Rollins, who I don't know if he had much of an argument coming out here, uh, but he wants to be the next opponent for Brock Lesnar. Mm. Elias came out. I mentioned. I'm just imagining all these guys in the back standing in line, like waiting for their turn to come out. And I'm wondering what the conversation is like when they're talking to each other. Hey, line. man, are you uh, are are you going out there too? Are are you in line yeah. here? It's yeah. Like, what's yeah, your yeah. excuse? Do you have a number? <laughs> yeah. Elias came out, mentioned his album dropping next week, followed by Finn Balor, who his claim was not the fact that he won on Sunday, but. He won this title two years ago. He's been holding on to this like for way too long. (laughs) You know, dude, how many times have you lost the belt since then or lost the match since then? You know, it's just it's really weak reasoning. And I think kind of shows you maybe how little he's done in terms of winning matches since he's been back. Yeah, maybe Tim Sylvia is going to show up at a UFC (laughs) pay-per-view. Roman Reigns was next. He says he just wants to fight someone tonight. And I didn't know where this was going. I didn't know if we were going to have, like, Braun Strowman involved here somehow. I thought what this was leading to was they were going to have, like, an eight-person tournament. Uh, But instead, they had six men and announced two triple threat matches tonight. And the winners will face off next week uh, where we'd get Elias, Rollins, and Lashley later in the night. And up first, it would be Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns. I think I was already pissed off that we weren't going to get an answer for another two weeks. As to who Brock's next opponent is. I don't know if I would have been able to stick out an entire tournament for these guys. Um, this so, Some of this was illogical. Well, Braun Strowman, they covered for it. They did cover for that. But what, what did they say for Braun? 
that he's got the money in the bank briefcase, and that's why he didn't get involved here. Although that's what the fuck? So why why wouldn't Braun cash in at this? Like why wouldn't Braun put his hat in for this? Because Braun, his whole thing has has been the moment I see Brock Lesnar, the moment he shows up, I will cash in on him. So why wouldn't you at least come out here and just like ask Kurt Angle for the title shot? Just make the shot. Yeah, I thought that the the lack of Braun Strowman was was glaring here, and I mean they tried to cover it with an interview, but. Braun Strowman is not exactly like the strategic character that is playing out scenarios no in way. his head. Um, the other one, wh- why wouldn't Dolph Ziggler be part of this? Because he's busy. Busy with Bobby fucking Rude. Yeah. I, I mean, I, listen, that's the least of your logical worries, I would say. Like, what has Elias done? Does it deserve this? You know what? I mean, Roman Reigns, he doesn't deserve this. Finn Balor, all these guys don't really deserve it. Like the only person. OK, Finn, maybe because he won uh, Lashley, I guess McIntyre, whatever. But come on, does Seth Rollins really deserve one? Whatever. Who cares? It's 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 wrestling. I just was really offended at how lazy the segment was. Like part of me was watching the show, wondering if this was all some type of way to promote 2K18. Because this felt like one of the most stereotypical raw opening segments that might as well have been programmed into career mode. We need a challenger. Oh, one person comes out. Another person comes out. Another person comes out. Make a multi-man tag match. Why wouldn't the entire locker room come out? Why didn't we get 30 people all vying for this shot? Why did it just stop at this magical number that helped them make two three-way matches? It's just fucking lazy writing. And I, like, I got so... (laughs) I feel like I'm really riled, riled up right now, but this this NBC deal, this segment <laughs> took 20 minutes to do, okay? Each episode of Raw, if we're going by that $265 million a year figure. Oh, God. Please tell me you did the math of I what did this the segment. Math. I did the math. I'm, I'm happy to live up to the stereotype tonight. <laughs> Each episode of Raw is going to be worth nearly $5.1 million an episode, okay? And if Raw is three hours and 10 minutes, that means every minute of Raw is going to be worth $26,842 every minute. Oh, my God. Wow. This generic 20-minute opening segment means that it will be worth $536,842.11. Oh, my God. over half a million dollars for this lazy piece of television. I just, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. And who are the fools? It's us. We're the ones watching it. That's why they can charge this much. So, oh, I, I just, unbelievable. If this segment brought out the worst in creative, it brought out the best in waiting. That was awesome. Now it sounds even more daunting, the fact that uh, that's that's how much uh, the, this segment uh, is generating them. You should definitely be playing baseball bogle, <laughs> is all I'm going to be saying. So we started off with Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre. McIntyre and Reigns were on the floor as Balor hit a Topicon hero, and they cite his two-year mission he has been on back to the Universal title. It's been a very long, winding road, and it doesn't look like he is anywhere close to it. They went through a commercial break, and now Drew hit a Topicon hero to the floor. As the announcers scream, he flew over the top just like a cruiserweight. Which I think right there in and of itself uh, kind of explains the cruiserweight division in 2018 to the uh, to the average fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, it totally overshadowed Finn. 
here. Like all your guys are doing stuff, things like this now. It's not, it's not unique to a, a weight class. Balor sets up reins for the coup de gras and McIntyre introduces a chair, which Michael Cole notes is legal because it's a triple threat match. I hate that rule. I really do. I was waiting like, for red shoes to be here. <laughs> but I mean, like, why not just start the match off with the chair then? If it's legal under triple threat rules, why not just low blow your opponent at any opportunity? If it's legal, there are no DQs. I, I just hate that. Can, rule. Can, does that mean you can do anything in these matches? That's what it means. Triple threat. Every triple threat match is a hardcore match. Is, is, is a no DQ match. Is an extreme rules match. Reigns uh, fights back against Drew. And then Reigns is sent into the post shoulder first uh, pair of commercials that they ended up going through. Reigns then runs, spears Drew on the floor after Balor gets out of the way. They go back in. Balor gets hit with a Superman punch. And then Reigns sets up for a spear, but is kicked in the face by Balor. He hits the coup de gras, but McIntyre pulls Balor to the floor. Audience was heated for this. Balor is sent into the steps. And then McIntyre misses Reigns, hits Balor with the Claymore kick. Reigns then sends McIntyre to the floor and pins Balor after his own spear. And in this, Reigns got his eye busted open, which appeared to be from Drew's Glasgow kiss. Hmm. Headbutt. And yeah, Reigns was all busted up here. Uh, but Roman Roman Reigns wins. I don't think uh, all that surprising. And Finn Balor takes the pinfall. I don't think all that surprising. No, certainly not. I thought a good match. Uh, I felt like much of it actually was built around McIntyre in order to kind of prove him his worth in, in the main event scene. He had a good showing. I thought Finn also had a good showing as well. He was, to me, the lone baby face in this match. He received the great reaction from this crowd. Uh, but in taking the pin, I think he starts to feel, again, further and further from the title picture. I think, uh, you know, like you said, Roman Roman's win is to be expected. I feel like in a match, like a number one contenders match that you're going to have next week. Um, boy, like, doesn't this feel like... It, it feels like they could have just done this last night. Like, knowing the end result of all this. By the end of tonight's Raw, Extreme Rules felt like an even more skippable show than it was prior. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... So, yeah, Roman Reigns. No, we're going to talk about someone else. Bailey. She had quite the evening. She was in Kurt Angle's office. I had not given these segments one second of thought since last week. But I instantly remembered that we were going to get the the news would be delivered to Kurt Angle. For a whole week, Kurt had to wait to talk to Bailey and Sasha about how these sessions went because Kurt didn't bother to watch them. Smart man. And after all this, uh, no Sasha. And Kurt just says, well, how did the counseling go? That was it. There was no report from uh, the therapist. It was just word of mouth. How did it go? And Bailey, in the most honest statement she has ever delivered, they didn't go well. And doesn't think that they'll be friends ever again. Angle says, well, here on Raw, we settle things in the ring. Are they going to have a match? Kind of. As a tag team. Kurt is, Kurt needs them to be teammates. And if they can't be teammates, well, then I'm going to have to trade one of you to SmackDown Live. I found a worse general manager than myself in Kurt Angle. (laughs) (laughs) If I was Bailey or Sasha, I'd be like, yes, please. Becky, Oscar, Charlotte. I wouldn't have to compete with Ronda. Yeah, send me to SmackDown, please. Yeah, the idea of them fighting is just not in Kurt Angle's thought process at all. 
They can't settle their differences. Teammates. Again, it's just like it's lazy, generic writing. Uh, per, again, perhaps an ad for WWE 2K because this really could have just been right out of another video game, too. It's just like really one cliche after another on, on this episode of Raw. How would Kurt Angle book Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano? <laughs> How do you think? <laughs> Teammates. You guys are going into the Dusty Classic. <laughs> yeah. They'll each come out, lined up, uh, asking for title shots from Aleister Black, and then <laughs> tag match, triple threat, whatever. All right. Sometime over the past week, someone in WWE production was told, hey, we've got a new sponsor on board. Okay. What should I do? All right. Well, we need to put together some some footage that complements our sponsor, that has some product integration to it. Okay. What's the sponsor? It's just for me, Control GX Shampoo. What comes to mind? <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan? Go with it. I don't give a fuck. And that's what we got was Bobby Heenan highlights, which I'm not complaining about. But that was our backdrop for the just for, sorry, just for me, just for men, Control GX Shampoo. Well, he is a man. Um... He probably used shampoo when he was alive. So I guess it works. I guess so. Dolph Ziggler came out. By the way, just another reason we could have done my idea for the hair versus hair match with Baron Corbin and Finn Balor. Oh, the just for men. The highlights of the match could have been this. Baron getting his head shaved. The whole angle could have been based around just for men. Yeah. I think if they did that hair match at Extreme Rules, it would have been among the highlights of the show just because it would have been a payoff to something. Yes, I agree. I just want to really prop my idea up. Dolph Ziggler came out and he said that he did what he said he was going to do last night, and that was put on a clinic. Move over, Robert Downey Jr. I'm more of a Black Sabbath fan. I am Iron Man. He is still the Intercontinental Champion. And he said for the first time in 17 years, the Intercontinental title main evented a pay-per-view. And it wasn't because of Seth Rollins. So all credit for putting this over as a real historical moment for the history of this title on Sunday night. Although I don't know if that's how it will be viewed uh, when we look back upon this match. Well, it wasn't even the plan, like, from all reports heading in into the day. No. So, I like. I feel like it's more of an indictment of your main event scene than it is, you know, anything to do with the IC title. I don't know if this is a match that Dolph Ziggler will be bragging about um, in, in future moments. Uh, that said, his stat about the first time in 17 years, it's even longer than that. Because what I think he's referencing is one of those tag matches where everyone was a champion when uh, Austin and Hunter took on The Undertaker and Kane and just all the titles were on the line. It wasn't really an intercontinental title match. So you'd have to go oh. back even further. Gotcha. Okay. Like, I, I can't even think off the top of my head. The Like, do you have to go back to, like, Bret and Bulldog going on last at SummerSlam when the IC title was on last on a pay-per-view? That's the one that stand out, stands out. But uh, if we're wrong, please correct us. Like a straight icy title match, not one of those uh, 
you know, all the titles on the line kind of match because well, they did that a few times. It feels like it's been forever since they've always had two titles, which means the ice like and two secondary titles at that. So the IC title would have at least been like number three or four in the in the whole um, I don't know um, ranking system. Uh, so I imagine it would have been quite rare for the past seventeen years for this to happen. Dolph was interrupted by Bobby Roode, and Roode said that Drew McIntyre is the reason he won, and without him. He'd be at some comedy club telling bad jokes. And Ziggler says, what was it like watching me from the sidelines last night? And Bobby Roode replied, well, the sidelines suck. (laughs) And challenges him for a title match. And Ziggler is goaded and accepts. But then interrupts JoJo when she introduces the title match, stating, I agreed to a match, not a title match. So Dolph Ziggler took on Bobby Roode. Yeah, you know, just in case any of you were starting to get interested in this show. All of these segments, all of these segments now that I'm recapping, I'm imagining them in story mode in a video game with like the the thought bubble of, I said I'd agree to a match, dot, 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 not a title match. Ring the bell. Oh, dude, it's so easy. Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode. This match felt longer than the Iron Man match. But it was a fraction of the time. Very long headlock by Ziggler. Ziggler then uh, sent him into the turnbuckle. They went through a commercial break. We came back with a rear chin lock, then a sleeper. I was out. Numerous roll-ups, reversals, glorious DT was countered, zigzag for a near fall. Then there was a super kick that was blocked, and Rude catapulted him into the corner, hit a spine buster. Rude comes off the turnbuckle, landing on his knee, which he tweaks. Ziggler immediately kicks the knee, lands a super kick, and pins Bobby Roode, who, if he's not turning heel, uh, this was the end of this guy as a competent babyface. Comes in, the fresh man from the night prior, beats the guy who was in the Iron Man match after he challenges him on the spot, and loses. I feel like he's he's been done for a while. Like, I expected that heel turn coming, like, for, for a while now because he's lost so much steam as a babyface. Maybe we'll finally get it with this Mojo thing, but I'm not even sure we're going to get that. I I guess I thought this was a good match. I just I didn't really care about it enough to know for sure. Te- pro- technically, it was fine. I just could not find myself getting into this match. Like there was nothing wrong with it. No, that's I just, the problem. It just felt like a flat match that had a finish that to me didn't let, build up anything. It let, just kind of slotted rude. Let me ask you, who would have any desire? To see Bobby Roode be champion, anyway. So, like, so why would anybody care whether or not this guy had a title shot? Even if this was for for the IC title, I wouldn't give a shit. Cause I, not many people like Bobby Roode right now. Except you're like Tracy Koleski probably doesn't like Bobby Roode right now. So this match needed to be really good in order for me to pay attention. And like much of Extreme Rules, it was just there, you know. And seeing this finish, why not just make this match for the title? Yeah, it, it like it certainly didn't lead to wanting to see anything beyond this. I mean, it was a pretty clear-cut finish. Uh, just kind of made Bobby Roode look pretty ineffective. We cut back to Bobby Lashley. They say the beast fears no man. I say the beast has never fought anyone like me. I have the skills and the ability to slay the beast at SummerSlam. I will be the universal champion. Man... I hate to sound so negative. I hate it's like some part of me just like doesn't even like 
watching Raw right now because it makes me feel so negative. But what can I do when my job is to tell you my honest feelings after watching this show? And this Dude, show imagine, would- imagine if Brock Lesnar had stormed the octagon and instead of uh, swearing, he just referred to Daniel Cormier as the Beast. Hey there, beast. I'm coming here to slay you. I'm going to take out this sword off my chest. And boy, do I have to get something off my chest, beast. There's a problem here. Like, lastly, just to me, just looks quite lame whenever he does promos like this. In this incarnation, I just feel like he's awfully generic. And they're pushing him. They're pushing him pretty hard on this episode of Raw. But I feel like much like Roman, if the push continues this way without them finding that organic magic that's going to make Lashley actually likable to this audience, they just risk creating another audience resentment for shoving a baby face down their throats, much in the same way that people feel about Roman with Lashley. There is there are some great promos, I feel, in Bobby Lashley, specifically for Brock Lesnar. That has been the guy Bobby Lashley has been asked about for the last decade Mm -hmm. whether it is in mma which they like that was always the fight that was brought up to bobby lashley and in wrestling besides even asking about it like the dude brings it up himself like he's been fighting for this match even before he got into to the wwe yeah like i just i see a lot of potential in this uh program that i really hope it's it's hit a very dejected bobby Roode was walking backstage and was mocked by mojo raleigh who just said and you're supposed to be glorious. And he walked off. And Bobby was like, nah, not my night. Tyler Breeze took on Mojo. They brought up Fandango's recent shoulder injury. Coachman anno- uh, announced that he wasn't able to announce his word of the hour. So Michael Cole cut him off and did a filibuster where he didn't allow Coachman to get a word in. And then Corey joined in. And they just trampled over Coach for two minutes, not allowing him to get his word in. No, oh, wow. You have to go back and re- you don't have to go no. back and rewatch this. You can take my my word for it. But it was some hilarious commentary from Cole and Graves just boxing this guy out of the conversation, so he couldn't get his damn word in. Did you hear about the uh, um, "Shut Up Saxton" shirt? Okay, so what happened? They were promoting this shirt, and has it been pulled? It's been pulled, yeah. So Corey Graves has a shirt, or had a shirt, up on www.shop.com that I guess he's been trying to get up there. And for a a time, it actually was up there. It's a shirt that says, shut up, Saxton. And uh, on the back, I guess guess it says Corey Graves. Uh, But for whatever reason, uh, as of today, it's been pulled. And Corey tweeted about this saying, we tried, but uh, our shirt has been deleted. What a strange decision to make. I, I think people there would be people that would buy that shirt. I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's like maybe maybe something to do with bullying or something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Would you wear that shirt? No, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, Breeze made a brief comeback, sent Mojo to the floor. Then he leaped up onto the apron, running shoulder tackle, forearm, Alabama slam for the win, 309. And Cole got his word in for the second hour. The word of the hour is opening which coach did not find one in during the intro of this match when coach uh, got boxed out of the conversation 
So it looks like Mojo, you know, is still continuing continuing to get a push. Uh, I think he's showing a lot of tools. I think he has the potential to be a good power wrestler if given the amount of time and, uh, you know. I'm experience. higher on him than I am Baron Corbin yeah. for a similar spot. Certainly. Uh, Mojo, though, I feel like he's really still missing something to make him stand out. I, I feel right now he's awfully generic looking. Um, I wonder how this promo or this program with Rude will would do. At least he's moving up the chain, and I see some progression with him. Then we had our tag match, Alicia Fox and Dana Brooke against Sasha Banks and Bailey. Graves said that this plan to get Sasha and Bailey back to becoming friends is among the worst ideas ever. Goldust volunteered on Twitter to be the therapist for Banks and Bailey, and it was repeated during the match by Cole. Dana Brooke went for a handspring back elbow but missed Bailey. Fox then had Bailey on the floor, mounted her back with the awful slaps, and this set off Sasha, who ran down to save Bailey. Dana grabbed Sasha by the hair and then flipped Dana off the apron onto the floor. And then Dana was thrown into the barricade. Sasha hits a double crossbody, and the match is thrown out two minutes, 50 seconds. And Sasha leaves to the back with the story that she had helped Bailey after she was being attacked by the two uh, females. Mm-hmm. But then we had the big segment. Yep. Sasha's in her locker room. She's getting ready to leave. And she's questioned by Bailey. What was that all about? Sasha says, it's one thing for me to beat you up, but I'll be damned if anyone else will. And Bailey prods her and Sasha has her breaking point. Look, you know, I hate talking about my feelings. And this was one of those moments where I just sat up straight and it was transcription time way. Yes, I care. I've always cared. I love that you're a good person. That you love everyone. I love that you're friends with everyone. I love that little girls look up to you. And I love that you're always there. Even when I don't ask for it. And you can always tell when something's wrong. I just don't see how you don't get it. I love you. There, I said it. And she left. And I was just waiting for someone to have scored this scene. And we could end with like this dramatic music. So I think they're in love. This is going to be, we're not building to a matchway. We're building to a union. That's what it looks like. Uh, after I watched this, I guess I, I was wondering if Sasha Banks just came out. Cause uh, that seems to be where this is headed. Some type of love story, a really shitty love story. I saw Wait. this. What? I'm sorry. I was just going to bring up the locker room attack. <laughs> That's Dude, how this all this all began. I just feel like it's a bit of a cop out to just use love as an excuse for months and months of inconsistent, poorly written storytelling. Well, of course she wouldn't know if she was a baby face or heel. She was in love. <laughs> of course those Dr. Shelby segments sucked. She was in love. It all makes sense, everybody. So, listen, if they're going to go here, they better make sure, first of all, that it's treated with respect. And they better make sure that wherever they're going, whatever stories they have to tell, has to be good. Because right now, I would say this angle kind of reeks of desperation. If they don't stick the landing for something like this, boy. I mean, that's 
this segment could only get so much worse. This angle, I mean. Vince McMahon handling the next four weeks of these two women's careers. Call me negative. I'm pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what, what, are, what are our options here? Either this turns into an actual romance uh, or Sasha. It's going to turn out to be mind games. Exactly. Turns on Bailey. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> straight. Straight as an arrow, everybody. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they're not even in love. Maybe this is just a very, you know, non-subtle way of hinting at something more than that. But in the end, it might turn into friendship. I don't know. Uh, I hope it's done well. That's all. Yeah, because they, they've they've been on fire so far with the the setup for this feud. The as much as that segment, people will discuss the Easter egg of all of this was the following shot of the three announcers, mainly Corey Graves. <laughs> if you go back and man, if his facial expression could speak. It would be the greatest thing of all time because the look on his face was what the hell have they done to those two (laughs) as someone who called their match at the Barclays Center and now they may return to the Barclays Center to get married. Wow. This look on Corey's face was just, man, I think he summarized everyone else. Mm -hmm. Then they recapped the cage bump that Kevin Owens took. And Renee interviewed Braun Strowman. He regrets not congratulating Owens on his victory. And he didn't volunteer to face Brock Lesnar tonight because he has this briefcase. And he can have a title shot anytime, anyplace. And Braun didn't have any other role on this show. Mm-hmm. Cole says that Kevin Owens has suffered a bruised shoulder, bruised ribs, and a strained neck. And he'll be reevaluated next week. The B team defended the Raw Tag Titles against the Ascension. Let me repeat, the B team defended the Raw Tag Titles against the Ascension. They showed the highlights of their celebration all night long at Extreme Rules. The Revival watched their match backstage. The Ascension had the early advantage. Come back by the champions, and they pinned Connor with a double-team neckbreaker in 220. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt showed up on the screen. They hope they are enjoying their moment of glory. It's not going to last. And next week, they're going to have their rematch, and they will be deleted forever. I guess the gag here is in all their celebrations. Uh, did you see the slide, by the way? Yes, they showed the... Yeah, they showed it. And? Um, yeah, it was, it was spectacular. It was amazing, yes. So I guess the gag here is in all their celebrations, and somebody must get some great joy out of these, because uh, it's, it's a hell of, of a lot of airtime to put on these two simply for for the, those segments. Uh, anyway, Seamus and Cesaro have not been on television for like months now. Yeah, I know. Grant, granted they're on the shorter show, but just think about that. Well, l- 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 look at what gets airtime on raw. And those two are MIA. It's those two. It's the Usos. There's a lot of talent that I think could benefit from this TV time. And l- 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 the entire tag team division could benefit from fresh blood. Really? Alexa Bliss and Mickey James came out at the start of the third hour, and Alexa said that she wrote the final chapter in the Bliss Nia Jax story, and the big bad bully ate her words, the one true goddess stood tall, and she's dominated this division, and 
Her strongest muscle is her brain. She outsmarts her opponents. And to be honest, outsmarting Nia Jax wasn't even that hard. She's beaten everyone in the locker room. And there was the faintest of Ronda Rousey chants, despite the prompting from Alexa that this was clearly designed to generate. And she just played off of the 10 people chanting Ronda's name. And she said, well, you're chanting for Ronda Rousey, but she's not in the locker room because she's been suspended. And she should be suspended indefinitely after last night. And then Ronda comes through the crowd, and now the audience goes nuts. She runs up on the stage, chases after Mickey and Alexa. She gets a hold of Mickey, drops her, and then goes for the armbar, but she's pulled away. Ronda then chases them up the ramp. Everyone gets knocked down, including the referees that had gotten involved. And she grabs Bliss, throws her into the ring, sets her up for the arm lock when Kurt Angle comes out and tells her to wait out her suspension, which has two more days to go. So Baron Corbin comes out and says Ronda needs to be reprimanded. And he's siding with Mickey and Alexa. Angle's got to do his job and add another week onto her suspension. And Corbin threatens to call Stephanie, but he's forgotten his phone in the back. So he goes to the back, and it's revealed that Kurt stole his phone. So Angle says that Ronda will get her match against Alexa Bliss for the women's title at SummerSlam, but she can't do any of this stuff anymore. So we have our match, as expected. And no Nia Jax at all on this show. No, and I think that's fine. She really had no place. I don't even know what she'll be doing at SummerSlam, so... Give her a day off to sell the the loss. I think that's fine. I liked Ronda's intensity in this segment. She really creates a good chaotic vibe. Uh, to me, one of the lone bright spots of this show up until this point. Kurt, though, man, really is showing some blatant favoritism here. Like, awarding Ronda a title shot off of a suspension, and then uh, even as somebody who... Wait a minute. They're, the wait, they're doing that. He's just copying Dana White with yes, Brock. Yes, exactly. I guess there's some favorite. <laughs> I guess money talks, really. But man, what what was this like? Uh, eyeshadow mascara that that Ronda had on tonight. Yeah, and she had like the like her hair braided that looked like um. Yeah, she looked uh she looked like someone auditioning for Labyrinth or something. Yeah, or like the Culture Club, maybe. Uh. I don't know. I don't know about this look. I don't know about, like, elaborate makeup on Ronda Rousey, your shooter, you know? But I guess this is not necessarily her fight wear. This is her day off wear. And uh, maybe she dresses like this normally. Maybe she was told, you know, for facial expressions and getting your, your shooter character over, you know, watch some Minoru Suzuki. So she signed up for New Japan World. And while watching Suzuki stuff, she stumbled across evil. It's like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, got them mixed up. Charlie interviewed Seth Rollins, and he said last night wasn't his night, but tonight is. So will next Monday, and so will SummerSlam. He respects Roman Reigns, but if he's in his way, he's got to do what he has to do, and Roman probably feels the same way. Kira Tozawa versus Leo Rush will take place on 205 Live, and then they plug that this week, tickets go on sale for TakeOver War Games, which they are bringing back. Uh, that will happen in November, Survivor Series weekend. So... We've got the NXT brand promoting war games, and we have MLW promoting war games, uh, which they have stated they have the IP for. Interesting. Interesting uh, to see how that develops. Um, I predict that WWE will probably go on to use this war games name for their takeover show. 
uh, MLW has stated like they have no intention of stopping anyone else from using it. They have just protected themselves so they can use it. So it's not going to be a case of where, where they'd even, you know, dispute mm-hmm. this uh, with WWE using it. Though it's a very odd thing for WWE to not have stuff like that locked up. Just just add an extra R to war. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Authors of Pain took on Titus Worldwide. There was a very serious promo from Apollo Crews and Titus Worldwide stating that they are not stagehands and they're going to take care of business tonight. This match had negative heat. I thought my TV was on mute. <laughs> Jesus. It was scary how it was quiet there were crowded. crickets in this arena for this match. Um last chapter was hit to Apollo. It went 2 minutes and 10 seconds. And Corey compared the Authors of Pain wrestling matches to Kimbo Slice winning backyard fights in that you know it's wrong, but you can't look away. It's a good line. I like that. Yeah. Then we had Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan with our, our backstage riot, where No Way Jose was with the conga line, and I don't know where they were going, but it wasn't to the ring. Uh, they just went off, and Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan knocked off some of their hats backstage yeah so they didn't even break anything this week i guess no. they ran out of the, the budget for props yeah maybe maybe no way jose was he was light on his uh on his business endeavors tonight he was he was searching in buffalo for some high-end crack <laughs> i was waiting for for something i was searching for something Ember Moon took on Sarah Logan. Um, Michael Cole received an email this week from Sarah Logan. Oh, this has to be like an ongoing gag. Yeah, it's got to be, specifically with the Riot Squad. Yeah. So so in this email, which I guess the subject line was, Hey, Michael, I'm a Viking. (laughs) And the whole match was establishing Sarah Logan's (laughs) Viking roots, which, as ridiculous as this sounds... Is legit. Like, if you follow this woman, like, she's engaged to Raymond Rowe, and they are, like, they live as Vikings. Like, they go on these elaborate trips and stuff. You got to follow them. Like, this isn't just, like, a gimmick that fell out of the sky, though that's what this felt like if you didn't know any better. And, like, it it was just jarring because Sarah Logan went from this one version to all of a sudden she's a Viking this week. Yeah, she's what? Uh, farmer Wolf? Wolf Farmer? Well, at one point during the match, they talk about her uncle's tater farm that she grew up on, which was like the only identifier she had prior to this. And Cole explained that that was before we learned of her Viking roots. So <laughs> the tater farm is being um, eased out of her character's history. <laughs> if I'm like ever a wrestler for the WWE... I'm making my backstory up. I'm making all this sh- life experience up. I grew up in a, I grew up in like I'm not telling them that that I'm a. I grew up in a tater farm or a Viking because that'll become your character. I'm telling them like uh, oh I, I, I in a past life I was a, you know a a a really rich world champion, uh, just a dominant dominant brute force who ended up winning all my matches. That's what that's what I would say. God damn you you can shoot. We've never had the cameraman in a match from that pers- from that point of view. Yeah. It's never been done before. The cameraman shooting his own match. <laughs> Coach just can't keep up with all this Viking stuff. 
Corey Graves responds that coach is as sharp as a marble. Um, the women had a decent match here. Um, mm-hmm. Went pretty long, 643. Uh, highlights included Ember Moon hitting a low pay to the floor, and then the eclipse was stopped when Liv Morgan distracted her, and then Logan knocked off Moon and just pinned her. And Graves credits the win because of Logan's discovery of her Viking culture. Oh, God. He specifically brought up Ancestry.com. Like, she just discovered this, and this has given her superpowers to beat Ember Moon and her get her first raw victory. Unbelievable. Well, uh, you know, this could end up being a WrestleMania-worthy gimmick. You know, wow. Uh, the match, I thought, was decent. You know, all the moves looked good. I didn't hear much engagement from the crowd. Uh, but neither of these two are stars yet. They weren't even on the pay-per-view. Perhaps that'll change with this uh, Viking info. Elias was in the back getting his guitar tuned, and it was time for the main event. Elias is in the ring, and he's just staring blankly. And then he shakes his head and says, Sorry, I forgot where I was, and then when I realized it, got really depressed. And I thought that was a great line. Yeah, it was. I mean, Buffalo, man. Yeah, I mean, kind of had the, uh, the added impact of the reveal of where he was. He plugged his album that's out next Monday, and he starts singing his song, insulting Buffalo, says he could have been Intercontinental Champion if Seth Rollins didn't cheat, which really never went anywhere. Uh, nope. Just he cheated and lost. Uh, or rather, Rollins won. Graves said that he's seen Bruno Mars and Pearl Jam in this arena, but Elias's performance was by far the worst. Then we had our three-way. Elias, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley. Another lengthy match. Elias jumped Rollins during Bobby Lashley's entrance, and Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin, and Paul Heyman were watching intently in the back. Elias hit this elbow drop on Lashley, and then the camera tilted up to catch Rollins frog-splashing Lashley as he, like, dove over the cameraman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Cool angle. Rollins took Lashley from one corner to the other with a buckle bomb, then returned with a superplex Falcon Arrow combo. Crowd was into that. Burn it down chant. Then he hit the stomp, but Lashley made the save. Rollins and Lashley started fighting. There's a big clothesline from Lashley. Delayed vertical to Rollins. And then Lashley set up for the spear. Rollins leapfrogged him, but was tripped by Elias. Lashley then speared Elias and was able to pin him before Rollins could come back for the save. So Bobby Lashley wins and brace for it. Next week, we are going to settle it once and for all. Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns in a you wasted your time at Extreme Rules? Ha, ha, ha. That match again. Uh, what I do mean, we I need can't... to prove next week? This was a clean finish. Mm. Uh, what, is, what does Lashley have to do here? Mm, Roman could win again. Uh, my prediction is that it ends up being some type of triple threat. Ugh. I mean, if there's anything I take away from watching these two matches, they were both pretty good, by the way. Um, But if there's anything I took away from watching these two triple threat matches, it's that the favorites in both of those matches did not get the win. In fact, like, I thought it was most apparent in this match when Rollins and Lashley were both engaged in a boo-yay spot. And it was Lashley on the boo end. You know, this crowd clearly wants one guy to win in this match, and that's Seth Rollins. Lastly, I feel people are just probably rather lukewarm on, if not maybe even slightly disapproving of. And I think if they shove this push down our throats, then that disapprovement will 
increase uh, vocally by quite a bit. So I, I just I don't look forward to the match next week. I certainly don't look forward to a triple threat match between the three. Overall, I thought this was just a very lazy, very predictable, very flat edition of Raw. Like, not leaving me with that much to get excited by uh, for SummerSlam. Bailey Sasha, that's a big risk they're taking. Uh, I hope it works out for everybody. And uh, what else? I mean, they set up Rousey's match for SummerSlam. I thought the setup was fine. Um you know, the three, I, I, I echo a lot of what you said. The, the three ways were good. Um, I'm just uh, more so Raw than SmackDown, but Raw is just not really engaging me creatively at the moment. Um, yeah, I think that's an understatement. Yeah. It um, sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I thought it was a pretty tough pay per view to get through on Sunday. And uh, I'll say tonight, um, I don't know. It's kind of lateral movement in terms of uh, my interest level. A three-hour show should not be lateral movement. You've dedicated three hours of your life to this thing. You should not come out of it feeling like, I didn't gain anything out of it. What could you have been doing for with this three hours? Oh, dude, I'd be well into my 1994 season at this dude, point. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be, I probably would have figured out this Roberto Alomar problem. I'd be like a mathematician. I'd be an accountant by now. Yeah, man. Well, let us go to the forum and see what the, the fine folks had to say about tonight's show. On a scale of 0 to 10, your ranking tonight was a 3.63. That's, that's a pretty terrible string of like ratings Raw has had over the past several weeks. I don't it's know not. They, it's not just us. People vote on this before they ever hear one peep out of the the two of us. Well, doing you these and reviews. I were actually probably pretty like, weren't we pretty positive last week about Raw? But we seem to be in the minority, at least as it relates to our uh, our fan base. So it's been like at least on our message board, which is again a very small sampling, but a sampling nonetheless. I mean, I don't think they've hit over five in like three weeks. Hey, before we get into the feedback, I want to bring this up because I, I feel I'll, for, I'll forget otherwise. But uh, you retweeted, like, the best thing I read today oh, from, from Jeremy Botter. Yes. And I read this, and man, was it like... Do I, you want to explain what it is? Oh, okay, so Jeremy Botter, who's a really great MMA reporter, very talented writer, he posted this lengthy... Uh, st- what would you call it? Uh, Article, like, medium.com, like, yeah. opinion piece. So I guess, like, this guy's been on Twitter since 2006. He was, like, bringing up that he was, like, you know, among the first 14,000 people to get onto Twitter. And he's watched at the amount of, t- like, not just what a time suck Twitter is. Like, I think everyone can, can look at that. But he started getting into how it creeps into so much of his life, how it will make him angry uh how it will be just such a almost a reflexive action to just go to your phone and bury yourself in twitter and you know say stuff that you regret later there is no privacy and talking about just simple things like how he used to love reading long books and now his attention span is zapped and yeah i just read this and i was i i, I totally like 
relate to a lot of it that I don't know if I necessarily blame Twitter, but it's, yeah, it's totally something that I think we can all say we spend way too much time on. Yeah, I mean, I read it. I, I thought it was really well written and I think encapsulated a lot of my thoughts on social media, too, uh, in particular as it regards to, you know, wrestling Twitter, where I feel like and I'll we're contributors to it. I mean, what was the show that we just did? It was us complaining about this terrible edition of Raw. So it's it's kind of, you know, I have some qualms with like my own uh, contributions to it. But at the same time, like I think about maybe how what what effect it has for me to to just be on on it for so long and what exactly i get out of it um it's a great source for news i just find more and more i think i have less uh tolerance for people just i don't know getting into small arguments about so many little things um anyway it's a, it's a great read. Go to Way's Twitter. He retweeted this, and it's uh, just, I think it's just go to Jeremy Botter's Twitter. Like it's there. Oh, I, I right. think it's still there. Let's go to our feedback from Mike first. I don't get it. They announced at the pay per view if Lesnar doesn't show up in Raw, at Raw, he will forfeit the title. Then Lesnar no shows tonight, only to have Angle allow him to keep the title and defend at SummerSlam. What's the point? Well, in fairness, they explained that. If he sets up his next title match, and he has, so he's, they have a title match set up. Also, we all knew Reigns would win this match, but I really thought we'd see Rollins win his match for a Reigns-Rollins match next week on the hopes that Rollins would win to set up a Lesnar-Rollins SummerSlam match, but Lashley won. So now we'll just see another Reigns-Lashley match? I don't understand why I watch this anymore. Two out of ten. Hmm. I really would have liked to have seen Roman versus uh, Rollins, uh, but, you know, that might not be where they're going for SummerSlam. We got a Brandon from Oshawa. Is this the best Dolph Ziggler we've seen since he cashed in the money in the bank? I thought he cut a good promo tonight and was gl- so glad that he beat that geek Bobby Roode. I didn't think he could come back from how low he was on the roster, but he's having a career resurgence right now, and I hope he's in for a long title reign. This is a great team with McIntyre, and I'd love for them to have some more guys with them and try to heat up some... Others that aren't doing that great. I think a Tyler Breeze would fit in perfectly with them if they made him a more serious character. The rest of the show was a mixed bag. I enjoyed the triple threats, but I'm not happy with Reigns and Lashley again. It smells of a triple threat universal title setup. I wish they had just had the balls to have someone beat Brock and get his lame title reign over with. And how much worse can this Bailey sasha feud get? Now Sasha is in love with Bailey. They just need to end this crap already. All right. Next up here... Um... Let's just uh, go down to Colby. I didn't think Raw was too bad, albeit very predictable. You knew Heyman would show up for Brock, and knowing Reigns and Lashley were probably winning sucked, but I thought both matches were passable. I'm also more than more than done than I was before with Sasha and Bailey. At first, I thought Kurt's suggestion of moving one to SmackDown was absurd from a logic standpoint. You've got two good wrestlers that really want to fight. What was at one point a money match, and your logic is to not let that happen. But it might actually be the best thing that could happen for either of these two. It could even work both ways, especially if they swap for somebody good on SmackDown that's currently floundering like Becky or maybe Naomi. Lastly, why is it that Ronda can hop a barricade to grope Alexa and be rewarded a title shot, whereas if I did it, I'm considered a criminal and immediately arrested? Have a good night, guys. Matt from Melbourne. 
It's only been a few short months, but Ronda already feels like the biggest star on Raw. I really hope they can find the right balance in not overexposing her overexposing her so she continues to feel special. Nothing tonight has me excited about SummerSlam, especially not the prospect of Reigns versus Lesnar again. Well, on the topic of Ronda's overexposure, I think they've been tremendous. You you are seeing her almost on a weekly basis, and she, to me, always feels special. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I have very little to complain about with Ronda Rousey. I think they have, I think they've hit a home run with her this year. I agree. Noah from Vaughn. I honestly can say that I am officially lost when it comes to this company. Roman shouldn't be anywhere near the title at this point as he's lost to Lesnar multiple times and lost to Lashley last night. Also, why would Bailey care if one of them gets teased? I think he means traded to SmackDown when this whole feud has been about them not wanting to get along in spite of Kurt. Seriously questioning my weekly habit of watching Raw. At least the G1 has been awesome so far. I wonder if WWE would ever consider doing a G1-style tournament. Um, Not on the main roster. Not anytime soon. We go to Walter from Texas. Why does WWE avoid arresting Ronda a la Stone Cold in the Attitude Era to intensify the suspension angle? Does not having a female foil like Austin had McMahon deter from going down that route? To have her arrested... Mm. I don't know. Not sure. Depends how it comes off. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the two three ways should have yielded that SummerSlam 2016 match between Rollins and Balor. Either one would make an interesting challenge to Brock. With that said, does it make more sense for Lashley to win versus Reigns and have him almost beat Brock and then have Reigns versus Lesnar on the post-SummerSlam match or have Reigns win and challenge at SummerSlam, beat Lesnar, and a Braun cash-in on Roman? Um, there's all those options at play. I have a hard time imagining they'll have Lashley beat Reigns twice. I think the three-way is seeming more and more likely coming out of next week. And I think you'll have the Braun cash in kind of overshadowing the whole thing. They'll have that tease there throughout the next month, um, as a possibility. Next up is Mark from Vaughn. He writes, uh, do you think that Brock beats Lashley? Okay, this is a lot of just uh, picking the winners next week. He says, I wish they'd pick Rollins for the spot as a super over babyface who has been on fire all year. I think the reaction to him beating Brock would be electric. I completely agree. I'm not sure why they don't want to pull the trigger on Rollins right now. <sighs> anyway. Um, okay, we got a dubs who asks, with Kurt evading being fired for this long already, when and how do you think this role ends? Does he fight Hunter? Does he fight Steph? Does he trade his own wrestler's contract to SmackDown? Does Jason Jordan convince Angle to let him run Raw instead? Uh, is he asking where, where this is going with Kurt? Yes. Because I get the sense they're building to a Kurt Baron Corbin match. Yeah, that's what I think you would imagine. Uh, or at least uh, Kurt plus somebody against Corbin and somebody. Like, when when they were all out there tonight, I was concerned that they were going to make this a mixed tag for SummerSlam with yeah. Kurt and Ronda again. So I was yeah. glad they did not go that direction. Uh, Bax from Bangor, Maine. Hey, guys. Thought tonight's Raw was meh, but I mainly wanted to discuss my feelings about Hulk Hogan being brought back. 
As a black man, I find it appalling that certain people are okay with him being back in the fold with the company. This man is a con artist and has shown throughout the years how disingenuous he is. So the fact that people are forgiving so easily disgusts me. Racism is racism. And I have a hard time believing in the three years he's been gone, he's changed because he's shown me nothing to prove it. The day I see them making the New Day, Titus, or any black superstar as a shill to put him over on TV is when I'm done being a fan of this company. Uh, notable way that his name was not mentioned once on tonight's show. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Well, they did mention it yesterday, but uh, I imagine either they didn't feel the need to mention it now, uh, maybe waiting until he ha- actually has something to announce. Or maybe they got wind of some of the heat that this whole thing has generated and maybe decided to stay away from it. Um, it's I, worth noting that, um, sorry, Mark Henry was interviewed by TMZ mm-hmm. and he was asked about it. And, you know, he, he I, I thought he was pretty honest in his assessment of it. He he seems OK with, with Hulk Hogan coming back if he is sincere in being apologetic. And he suggested that, you know, he wants to see this guy, you know, working with like groups and, and helping people uh, in addition to just getting a job back and getting a paycheck. But he said of the guys he's spoken to in the locker room, he said it's 50, 50 about those that want him back versus those that don't really have time for the guy. Yeah. And 50, 50 is not a low number. That's half of your locker room uh, or the African, like, are we talking African American members of the locker room or just half of the locker room? I got the impression he meant of the African-American population in the locker room. Okay, well, I guess maybe that's like three people or two people. But that's still plenty to me. And I just, I would hate to feel uncomfortable being, going to work, knowing that this racist or former racist is in a, going to have a bigger role than you, is going to make more money than you, uh, for all we know, at least. So I, I've always felt like, Hulk Hogan wanted to come back into the company they should start him from the bottom give him like let him sell t-shirts let him you know give him like let him actually like be make him a young boy have him climb up to back to the top in order to really gain people's trust I don't think you should just walk back into your old deal and like make all this money and just get all this airtime. I don't think that's fair but whatever as long as it makes them money I guess they consider anything fair it's hard to judge based on like us not knowing what his role even is going to be. How far in are they going to go with him? Um, I I thought it was telling the fact that they did this reintroduction on Sunday, acknowledged him by name on the pay-per-view and tonight, not a peep about Hulk Hogan or even a mention of anything to do with him at all. I I don't know if they, that was just the first step and it was simply, they don't want to make a big deal of it. Um, I, I don't know. Finally, we go to Anthony, who says, when hashtag Under Siege 2 Electric Boogaloo comes in November, I hope to remember th- to play that clip of Kurt Angle threading? Threatening. To... Oh, okay. Is, did Kurt say threading? Maybe. Okay, he has threading in quotes to send either Bailey or Sasha to SmackDown, while at the same time, Kurt is rallying the troops in a moment of solidarity. And also, if two people are not getting along, why force them to team up? There's no women's tag team division. What's the point? Yes, all great points. He He's just trying to preach. Uh, you know, he's trying to save a friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Uh, I don't think I don't think me and Way were in the minority on this show on Monday night. 
hopefully SmackDown is better. Uh, we're going to have Shinsuke Nakamura and Jeff Hardy in a rematch, and hopefully some setup for SummerSlam programs involving the key players on that show. So that is going to wrap it up. However, if you have not gotten enough of us, wait, what is coming up in the double shot? In the double shot this week, we'll be covering a lot, actually. First of all, we'll be talking about... Uh, John, did you want to talk a bit about the MSG story with our Ring of Honor in New Japan? Uh, yes, we can We can chat about that. So we'll be talking about that. Of course, we'll be talking about Total Bellas, which this week was one of the worst pieces of TV I've seen from this entire series. It's Uh-oh. It really sucked. The Bellas go to Paris, and it sucked. And we'll be talking about Being the Elite, which was uh, a big addition of Being the Elite because they announced the main event, or at least we think what we think is the main event of the Chris Jericho Cruise. It involves the Young Bucks and the Bullet Club. And uh, as well, appearances from Bad Luck Fale and Juice Robinson. And John watched this one too, so we'll have a nice discussion about that. So that is, that's coming up now. You can go download that show. We'll be back with Rewind to SmackDown on Tuesday night. And I forgot to mention off the top, but Sunday night... Uh, we will have a review of Slammiversary with myself and Nate Milton. And Way will uh, pop by because he is going to be attending the show live in Toronto. So we will have his live perspective of a show that I am looking forward to. I think that the television has been pretty good uh, building up to this pay-per-view. So I think it should be a pretty enjoyable show on Sunday. I kind of look forward to it. All right. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com for all your needs, and the G1 shows resume on Thursday. That is it. Goodbye.